Thanks for listening to the Hedgeye Investing Summit, featuring conversations with some of the sharpest minds in investing, including Ben Hunt, Lynn Alden, and David Rosenberg, hosted by Hedgeye CEO Keith McCullough. To get access to the other eight Hedgeye Investing Summit conversations and for more great investing content, go to Hedgeye.com. I'm Keith McCullough, and welcome back. First two conversations were excellent. I can't wait to get into this next one. Well, our goal here and Hedgeye's goal in general is to help you preserve and protect your hard-earned capital so that you can compound it. And, and this next guest will certainly help with that. Like, I really want to have people on this summit that are principally oriented. Their principles are their orientation. And uh, this gentleman in particular, I think, is perfect uh, for this you know, thir- third of three because I think, Ben, like when, and, and welcome, Ben Hunt, uh, 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 formally welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Keith. Good to be here. Thank you for joining us. You've always been someone that I can just sit back and, in principle, trust and appreciate, even though I haven't known you in my whole life. Um, but on Twitter, you get to see how people react to certain things and certain <laughs> moments of clock time, how you've held yourself to account over the years. You are one of the first to stand on the front line of, of what I would say is, is liberty and the American definition mm-hmm. of liberty. And, and I think that when you think about this cycle or you see where we are, and we spoke briefly before we, we'll get into it here, like I said, there's a lot going on and your eyes went Ben Hunt big. And it's, and it's like, but it's just happening so quickly. And I, I wonder and I worry um, that uh, what gets lost is, uh, is, is the liberty part. Like, I, I wonder, uh, just to start with that, like, if that's the long-term trade here as opposed to the short-term fixes. Well, without a doubt. And uh, that's my biggest concern as well. It's, it's interesting, though, Keith, I, you know, I've spent a professional career, right, <laughs> I really, across different professions. I started as, a, as an academic, of all things, you know, as a professor for 10 years, I started a couple of uh, software companies. Then I got into our business, the business of managing other people's money. <laughs> and the um, the common thread through all of that is trying to understand the role of, you know, I call it today, narratives. These are the stories that we tell ourselves over and over again. And they're the stories that are told by politicians, by central bankers, and look, we are, we are hardwired to respond to those stories. And where I think that has a real impact on liberty, I'd like to describe it as the autonomy of your mind, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? That nobody can tell you what to think. And yet, people do tell us what to think all the time, constantly. And that role is growing over time, has really grown since the advent of social media, the advent of 24-7 news channels, uh, it, the advent of the modern media system, and the modern political system, is really based on people telling us not what to think, not a fact, this fact or that fact, but trying to tell us how to think. Mm. And they've gotten really good at it. Yeah. They've gotten really, re- really good at it. So it's not the, the, the control of the, 
the state or you know corporations. It's not a 1984 control. It's not the jackboot stomping into a human face. It's what I like to call a nudge. It's it's the it's the sweet words, the words again that we're hardwired to respond to. The weaponization of these narratives and these stories. That's what I think is the greatest threat to our liberty, where our core liberty is our autonomy of mind. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm with you 100% there on, 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 on this, Keith, 100%. And it's, um, you know, because when you, at least a Canadian who came to this country would say, uh, free market, capitalism, liberty. Like, those things are, you know, sisters, so to speak. And... You know, it's really, really hard to say that with a straight face, especially the first part of that. Um, and, and it's even harder to be in the business that we're in uh, and not have to constantly respond to how we're supposed to think about how it doesn't have to be a free market because we can, you know, to use, and, I, and I've said many times, by the way, for anyone who hasn't heard this, uh, you know, Ben's heard it, uh, and I don't, I don't think he's been offended, uh, but I say he looks just like Benjamin Franklin. So I'll use a <laughs> Benjamin Franklin, and the way, just the way you, you are in everything. Um, but, you know, the, the old adage of, of give me some short-term safety at the expense of long-term liberty and you shall have neither, or something like that. And, and, and I, that's been our lives for 20 years, at least 20 going on, for me, 24 years in this market. Um, can you get into that? Like, it, it, sometimes you say it makes you angry, even though you generally just don't look like an angry guy. I'm, I'm not in, in person, but, <laughs> but yes, it does make me angry. It, do, it, it, it does, because it's, uh, it's not, like I say, the jackbooted thug that takes away the liberty. It's the gradual whittling away. Yeah for something that sounds and, and, and often is, you know, very nice. Right. And, and I think you see it. That's the first time I really got, well, angry. The and is realizing how the world, I'll say really works, Mm -hmm. uh, increasingly works. And that was in 2008 with, the bailout, the real honest-to-God bailout of companies like Morgan Stanley or Goldman Sachs, um, you know, the, the, the banking system. And it was, it was in that moment where I, I feel like the, the skin, you know, the pleasant veneer of what we like to tell ourselves about free markets and free elections that that's that pleasant skin was kind of ripped off and you saw the the naked sinews of power and muscle that was that, that was beneath it so that was you know when were you radicalized right I, I mean so so that was that was one of those 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 moments for me and I think that a lot of what we continue to see today is a is a reverberation or a continuation of that, right? Where where we do have a system where many entities and more and more of them, they are too big to fail. And I think we can see this in our banking system today where we have four big banks in the United States that are 
legally too big to fail. They can never go into receivership. Mm-hmm. They, they, they are, <laughs> you know, a GSIB, right? So, so, so they're a, a globally significant investment. They cannot, they cannot be allowed to fail. And where I see that create just enormous kind of a long-term hollowing out of, uh, of our system. It's, it's, and I'm not one of these guys who say, oh, my God, you know, oh, it's hyperinflation coming right down the corner. Or, oh, my God, it's de-dollarization. I think that stuff is nonsense. I really do. I really do. And we can talk about that as you like. But there's a real problem here, and it's a hollowing out of all the banks that aren't one of those too big to fail mm-hmm. operations. Right? And, and so that's the, the big regionals, some of whom, as we saw with Silicon Valley Bank, Signature Bank, you know, they were they were crappily run and they deserve to fail. And I'm really glad that the equity was wiped out in 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 all those th- those companies. It was it was unlike two thousand and eight when the equity was not you know, wiped out on a lot of banking companies that deserve to fail. But it's all the other banks, the community banks, the regional banks. There's a real problem here. There's a real world of two banking systems that we have. And it's created by this continuation of too big to fail, a government that provides I mean, J.P. Morgan's my favorite example of this, and Jamie Dimon in particular. Look, I, I think he's a fine bank manager. He's a bank manager, and he's a, a billionaire from being the manager of a bank that is guaranteed profit, that can never fail. And he's a billionaire for that, and his lieutenants are centimillionaires, and there are hundreds, hundreds of decamillionaires that are created from what is, in effect, a public utility managed for private profit. That's the system that we increasingly create. That's what I mean about the hollowing out of free markets, free elections, and the, and, and the like. That's what I get angry about. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and I think it's worth talking about what is happening in the banking system, the hollowing out that exists there. How does that impact you know, the next three months, six months, how does that in- impact investments in the economy? That, to me, I, I really think is the big story that we're not wrestling with if it's not a crisis. And I don't want crisis. I'm glad for a crisis to be over with. But that doesn't mean at all, I think, that we can just say, okay, that's good. Let's go back to our regularly scheduled entertainment. Hi, I'm Keith McCullough, and I wanted to introduce you to my favorite product at Hedgeye, The Macro Show. Why is it my favorite product? Well, it's my show. I do that every morning. If you want to get ready for the market day, you want to contextualize all the data, you want to make good decisions, then this is what you should be watching. It's a repeatable process that you can deliberately study, measuring and mapping time series to time series of data. So it's not going headline to headline and getting whipped around. It's actually being so much more dispassionate about it and making good decisions that are data driven. So we'd love to have you on our team. Come join us.
Tune in weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern and on demand anytime. Go to hedgeye.com slash research to subscribe. Yeah, I mean, this most recent crisis, which we're old enough to remember, which is, I don't even know, like not even two months ago, um, just put more and more power into the hands of the few. And, you know, the other side, I wrote this the other day in the early look. I mean, you know, Jamie Dimon got, got, his, got the money, uh, and so did Bank of America. But, you know, the rest of us still have the cycle. And then, and I, I shouldn't say it that way, actually. It's not just the rest of us get the cycle. You have all sorts of things that happen. You know, like you're, you have a bunch of people who wouldn't know otherwise that probably thinks, and you've, you've written about this, and I wanted to get your thoughts on this as well, Oh, that means buy crypto again um, because you can't like you know. And, and here's a an entire like fraud-based industry that is about to get regulated in its own right. So, you know, the things that happen so quickly, it's almost like disorienting in terms of like where you are now. <laughs> I don't. Well, it, it it is disorienting, Keith, and and I think there is a very conscious. I'm not going to say coordinated, but I think there is a very conscious effort to destabilize the American system, right, uh, in narrative space by promoting statements like hundreds of U.S. banks are insolvent. Your, your, your money is not safe by Bitcoin, right? right? Or, and, and, and I, I just, it's, it's beyond distasteful. It does, again, make me angry. And it, it particularly makes me angry because there are real issues here. Yeah. There has been a real hollowing out of our banking system. And it comes home to roost, as, just as you're describing, in a business cycle, a lending cycle. It has a you know, direct interaction with interest rates going up, with a movement of deposits to money market funds and the like. Uh, it, it's all interrelated. It, it all creates, I really think, a hollowing out of the real economy. Mm-hmm. I don't know how quickly it manifests itself in you know, the, the, the three-letter and four-letter casino chips that we use in, 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 in markets in our, in our investing world. But in the real world, what is happening right now today is that regional banks and community banks are shrinking their balance sheets. Mm-hmm. Right? When, when, when a deposit leaves for a money market fund, it's off the bank's balance sheet. And <laughs> so the bank has to shrink its activity. It's lending activity. Right, you've got you've got to when you have these near death experiences as a couple of banks had. First Republic is going to be top of the list. You've got to shrink. You've got to get smaller, and the impact for the real economy is those agriculture loans, those construction loans, the mortgage loans. Right, this all becomes tighter and more difficult. Leaving aside the, the, the increase in rates, right? It's a shrinking of the balance sheet. It makes banks, they can't lend. And, and, I, and I think what we miss here is that credit and lending 
That is the oxygen for our real economy. Is there too much debt? Is there too much everything? God, yes, right? And 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 this is what I'm saying, right? That that we've created a world where these big four banks, J.P. Morgan, they're not shrinking their balance sheet, right? Yeah. And it, but but it but it hits the real economy differently. It hits the middle of the United States a lot harder and more differently than it does if you're in New York or yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a world we've created that I think our policymakers often don't see because they live in the, with the blinders of New York and DC on, but there's a shrinking of bank balance sheets that's happening out in the real economy. And that's um, because we've created this two-tier banking system in this country, which hollowing out. That's the best word I've got for it. Yeah, it's interesting. Like if you, um, as opposed to looking at the average of all the data and saying nonsensical things like the consumer, well, they used to say the consumer is in great shape and savings are, are plentiful. Now they say the consumer is in good. They might even say slowing shape. But you would never identify the 55, 58% of Americans who have zero savings to their name that are increasingly you know, you know, really having a liquidity crisis just to pay for, you know, pay the bills. And, and so you'd never talk about that. You would, you would isolate this over here. You'd say CRE commercial ring, you know, ring, <laughs> ring fence that over there. But isn't it all the same thing? Like if all this whittling and hollowing, all that did... And again, through the lens of easy money, you know, bountiful and like endless access to it, you know, now you go to, I don't have my liquidity and I don't have my credit line. You know, there's a credit freeze, essentially. You know, that's a very different world. I mean, Neil Howe would say, yeah, that's going to be part of the fourth turning right there. I mean, that the, the main things that created the bubbles aren't things right now. <laughs> Those are impaired until you get your cycle back. And you can't get your cycle of cash flow back until you get the, you know, the recession out of the way. 100% yes, right? I've, I've read, you know, the, the you know, Neil's new book, and, and it's just so spot on. It's Have you so already cool. read it? Have you yeah, I, I got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I read an early copy of it. I gave him a blurb for the for the for the jacket. Oh, it's, oh you it's, did. It's, I got it's, I got it too. He's my own bloody partner, and I haven't read it. You're you're on it. You're on your game. That's a thick book, man. <laughs> it's it's it, but it's but it's great. I mean, it's just it's, it's outstanding. Yeah. And 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 not to get off on that tangent, but one of the things that's great about that book is that Neil has an optimism. Right, this isn't a doomer thing. Like, yes, the fourth turning is here title of the book, but it leads to a renewal of the cycle. Yeah. And this is your point, Keith. We can't, you can't get to that renewal until you have the, the, the clearing, right, that happens in markets and society, you know, everywhere else from, yeah. Taking taking the, the hit and, and 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 moving through this, and we've created a system where it's very difficult to assign losses to 
and it's impossible to assign losses if you get under that too big to fail umbrella. Mm -hmm. So where do the losses get assigned? They get assigned to middle America. And this again is what I mean by the hollowing out. Mm -hmm. It it's interesting. It, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that, Oh my God, the stock market is going to be 20% down. doesn't mean that at all because <laughs> with the, concentration, right? The way that the stock market is, is configured, it's a lot of too big to fail outfits in one respect or another that are, you know, dominating the weights in, in these, these, these market indices. It's, it's, we've created this separation between real world and I like to call it fiat world, the world of, of reality by declaration. <laughs> which is which is just just by declaring it to be so. I've never heard that before. I think well, no, I, I have heard that before. I think I heard Michael Saylor say it in different words about Bitcoin. In different in different words, <laughs> but 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 this 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 is the real challenge I think for an investor who recognizes the reality of the real world, who sees the debt overhang, who sees how losses can absolutely be assigned if you're not in one of the too big to fail outfits, and you've got responsibility for your family's money, some other people who depend on you, what, what, what do you do? <laughs> what, do you, what, what, what do you do? Right? Because it's, it, we've created that Potemkin village of market world, but that's real in its own way, uh, and it's where, where do these uh, worlds, where do these two worlds eventually meet? And my, my, my belief is they eventually meet in politics. Yeah. Uh, and this is, again, Niels talked about this as, as well, the, the notion of a fourth turning, I like to call it, you know, the widening gyre, right, where the middle does not, does not hold. These things ultimately get cashed out in politics, and that's when losses start to be assigned. So it, it's, it's, this is what we're gearing up for, is this assignment of losses for the marriage of real world and fiat world. And I think it happens in politics. That's, um, I mean, I was just, while you were speaking, you just make me think so much, like on the fly. You know, you have, you know, you can see it if you just put on a, just put a relative chart, JP Morgan to the KRE index today, or the KRE mm -hmm. ETF today. Mm -hmm. It's hitting a new low. You know, the KRE is blowing up to new lows. The big gets bigger. The regional banks and all of those regions get weaker. You know, the market's got that right. Yeah. But you hollow, when you hollow something out, I mean, this is actually, um, you know, we, we actually started uh, oddly enough, or ironically enough, maybe not so much, um, our current macro presentation, guys, go to the, to the sinkhole analogy on slide 28. Um, when you talk, and I didn't say it this way, I, I just get to because you just told me to, um, mm -hmm. <laughs> because it's, mm -hmm. it's how you, you, you explained it. But this is fractal in nature. I mean, when you start to have all the emergent properties going the wrong way, it, the surface is quite literally the last to cave in. And, you know, that... That's what I'm wondering here, because when you say, well, look, you know, 
That doesn't mean the S&P 500 has to go down. Well, clearly, I mean, it went down a lot last year. It was the worst year since 1937. I'd qualify that as a long time ago, at least the, as long as most people have been alive in this game. Uh, <laughs> with, like, I, like you said, yeah. I love it, your, your three-letter and four-letter casino chips. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I'm not entirely, uh, I'm not sure about anything, to be clear. But, I mean, why wouldn't this, the surface cave in all at once? I mean, if you have seven names, Magma plus NVIDIA AI, guy said AI like 50 times on his conference call, um, mm-hmm. and Netflix is like, that's 90% of the S&P's return. I mean, uh, and now you got this dynamic of banks versus, you know, the rest of the banks. Like, why wouldn't the surface, at, at, why wouldn't that be part of the fourth turning where the political power, which is essentially financial power, um, comes under abrupt duress? I, I think it's the abruptness, right? That I, I kind of, I have a hard time seeing how it how it plays out. Yeah. Right. And what and, and 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 the reason being is that there is so much, even as rates go up, there is so much liquidity in the world, right? And and frankly, there is still so much that. I, and this again, this is what I liked about Neil's book is the optimism that's in this there, there, there yep. too. There, there is so much happening in terms of technological innovation in things that could actually increase human productivity and, and lead to real growth, you know, actual growth. Imagine that. <laughs> so I, 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 I think that the, the hard break can certainly happen, but what I see happening—I'll use the banks as an example—it's not a fast run run on the banks, the regional banks, like we saw a month ago. It is a slow motion run on the banks. Mm-hmm. Is happening right now. Yes, it's a slow motion run because, but you can't run a company in the real world on you know a. $250,000 insured account, right? The, it, 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 you just, you just, you just can't. And I get it that there are ways I will spread the accounts over 10 different banks and here's this product to do it. it that's just, that's just not the real world. It's just, it's just not. And it's also not the real world to think that four mega banks can provide what the real economy needs. Mm-hmm. It's a real problem. I mean, it's a slow motion run on the deposits at anything below the big four. Mm-hmm. At the same time, where you know it, it becomes a almost a self fulfilling prophecy, right? Where as rates go up, more money goes into getting a better return through money market funds or the like. The balance sheets shrink lending credit in the real economy continues to decline. You may not see it if you're sitting in Washington or New York because you don't, again, JP Morgan, B of A, they're not, they don't really, they're not feeling it, but I'm telling you that it's there. Yeah. It's absolutely there, Keith. And it's, uh, it's, it's the hollowing out of a real economy that, does it does it end up to that sinkhole effect where it 
you know, where everything just kind of collapses, you know, quickly. I don't know. I, I kind of don't think it does. I, I think that what is required for that sort of fast disconnect is illiquidity in the banking sector, mm-hmm. right? You, you can be insolvent. You can live, you know, long-term loans and have a duration mismatch. You can have that forever. What kills you is the illiquidity. And I, I, I think that the, what the Fed has set up to provide liquidity for the banks, the smaller banks, I think that works. And, and I, I think that was absolutely what the banks should do and the like, that the central banks should do and the like. My point, though, is that it's not addressing, again, this hollowing out in the real world. So that even if it's not going to create some, oh, my God, some crisis in the S&P 500, it is absolutely both delaying the assignment of losses to get through this into a new phase of growth, per Neil's book, yep. and it is forcing whatever losses are assigned to be assigned to the middle of the country, the middle class, and lower not the too big to fail out. Yeah, that's how, I mean, it's, it's really interesting because, I mean, if you think, think it through, what you haven't said, which I think you probably would have said, you would have included the, the West Coast. You know, and, and politically, people would always say the coast. But what just happened was a liquidity crisis in that region of America. I mean, you don't, Correct. you cannot, you know, First Republic, I mean, that's, that's where their base is in San Francisco. When I started Hedgeye, guess who gave me my first credit line? A bank in San Francisco called First Republic. So it's it's not. I see. We we still have an account at First Republic. My firm does. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. So, so the, love them. The lifeline of American capitalism is to actually at some point generate a profit and or have a line of credit. Now the most speculative lines of credit, Silicon Valley Bank, is when you ran a profitless company and you got to borrow you know, everything from this to that. You got to live your life. You live large on a dream. That's part of the American dream is seeing people fuck it up so bad that the <laughs> yes. rest of us get to come pick up the pieces. There's some good things that they built and voila, that's, that's the way that it is. Yep. But if you eliminate, like try going to, this isn't like watching WeWork on Apple TV. Like that, that, that was actually pretty good. Um, where Jamie Dimon is like played by somebody. The guy did a pretty good job and he's like, you know, uh, here's a bottle of tequila, and here's the thing, and this is the way <laughs> capitalism works. I mean, you try going to Chase Bank. You, first of all, you try try getting any kind of a loan. If you don't have an account. Oh, my God. Yeah, <laughs> you're not getting. So this, to me, is actually, like, the hollowing out is, is actually makes it more Japanese in the sense that you could be hollowing out just any ability to take on any risk. And that's why I don't understand, like, now I can maybe understand why you would go into seven different stocks until you can't. But, you know, that game is you know, categorically over until you change what, what we've been talking about here, is it not? It is. So what you want is productive risk-taking. Yes. And I'll, I'll be honest, I, I, I mean, I am all, this goes along with what we're describing here, I am so in favor of normalizing interest rates and getting off this zero interest rate policy because you need to have an actual return on capital, a risk-free return on capital to justify productive risk-taking 
Otherwise, you do you what happened, and this is what happened, right? If you're a large company with access to essentially free capital, you borrow it all you all you can. You don't spend it on taking risky, possibly productive actions like a new factory or a new technology or hiring more people. No, you spend it on, oh, let's, you know, we'll buy back the stock. We'll take we'll take riskless actions with the free money. Yeah. So I this is again, and this to Neil's point, this is what drives the 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 pain to come out of it and grow in the future is you know normalized interest rates it's got to be coupled with a normalized environment though where failure is possible yeah that's good and at the highest levels it it seems like it's not possible and that's really um well at the highest levels it's not yet i just i i'm not willing to ever give up on yet i mean i'm a i'm a, mm-hmm. people will call people like me a, a pessimist when I'm bearish and I'll never get called an optimist when I'm bullish. It doesn't no. matter. I mean, no. it's, um, it's in the, like, okay, so it's just one other question on this because you've, I think you've cornered a lot of, of, of what I wanted to get to in terms of the cornerstones of how you think about the entirety of the system. Uh, yeah. One thing that I've been asking Neil about uh, is if you guys can put up chart 56, which shows the long-term relationship between labor and capital. Okay, so you're talking about a better balance on risk taking where the risk free rate is a much higher rate. I quite like and actually Apple looks like they're, they want to do it, too. Like you, you put, you know, you put money in your Apple, whatever account that all my kids have apparently have and you get four and a half percent. They're doing better than most hedge fund managers. Um, yeah, the, 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 so we're going to get a better balance in a lot of things. How about labor against capital? Ben, when you look at this chart, I mean, I'll tell you what I see first. I mean, I see the 1970s and 1980s. Um, big difference, but I can see that the black line, which is corporate profits, always found a way to go to the bottom of the page, other than in the last 20 years. The people didn't get paid, the corporates got to get bigger and keep all the profits. And that, I, I, I make the argument that that is the private equity industry built on also, um, you know, on also that zero cost of capital. So what do you think? Do you think that that should Fine, like if a balance is going back to where America's seen mean reversion, never mind balance before, do you think that that's part of it? I mean, most people, I, I think it was uh, Steph Pomboy just uh, called out in, in my first conversation. She said, if you ask somebody what is the minimum wage you will work for right now, it's a lot higher than what uh, said corporates, including the big ones, are willing to pay. Hi, Robert McGordy here, Director of Subscriber Development at Hedgeye. Hope you're enjoying our podcast. Start generating alpha with our suite of Sector Pro investing research products. Dive deep into retail, industrials, technology, and everything in between with exclusive access to the sharpest analysts and actionable ideas on Wall Street. Go to hedgeye.com forward slash research to subscribe. Enjoy the rest of this episode. What you just put up there on the chart is absolutely an artifact, again, of the zero interest rate environment, as, as, as you're describing. You know, 100%. We need to hope that <laughs> there's still a place for labor and work in the, in this country if we are to avoid even more of the hollowing out that I'm describing. Yeah. Right? I, 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 one of the biggest surprises to me of the, of the 
great financial crisis, right? 2008, 2009. Uh, I frankly expected a whole lot more uh, bankruptcies outside of the financial sector in, again, call it, you know, the real economy. I think that, that management has gotten so much better at, let's call it, capital allocation, at managing their businesses um, to preserve margins, to grow margins and the like. I, I, so I, the, the caveat to what I'm describing here is, is, is I do think that, that management in general overall has gotten so much better at mm -hmm. that. Um, and you see it, yeah, I mean, you see it in, in so many different industries. I, I mean, I'll, I'll pick out two. I'll, I'll pick out uh, home builders and I'll pick out uh, uh, ENP mm -hmm. you know, guys in energy, drillers. Right? And because what one of the, the great lines that, you know, when I came into this, this, this business of investing was, you know, the, the founder of the firm was going to say, look, one thing you got to understand is drillers drill and builders build. That's why they got into those businesses in the first place. Right. So, you know, if if they're ever getting opportunity, you know, if you're wondering what they're going to do, drillers are going to drill and builders are going to build. That's that's, <laughs> that's what they do. <laughs> that's what they do. And and that is still absolutely true. Right. You get into those industries and yeah. you stay in them and you write because you love it. You, you want to drill or you want to build. And not but but and the corporate structure they've built around the drilling and the building is much better at managing margins and credit cycles and the like over you know over over a cycle yeah and absolutely they have taken the presence of free i'll call it free money you know a zero interest rate policy and and they just ran with that ball right and they ran a long way with that ball and now what we're seeing right is Interest rates go up, they get normalized. That ball's been taken away. I have no doubt that corporate management is going to do better on maintaining margins and earnings than, you know, the model would say or the like, or, or the like. They, they've, they're really good at this stuff, right? But the ones that have gone to excess, and there are a lot of them, they need to fail. Yeah, <laughs> they absolutely need need to fail. Well, some of them the will be larger companies, and that's that's part of what has to happen here for us to get over to the other side and have real growth. Which look, there are only three ways to get out of a debt overhang, right? You can inflate your way out of it, boo, <laughs> right? You can assign losses, you can default your way out of it. Mm -hmm. Also boo, right? <laughs> or you can actually grow. grow. You can actually have real growth yeah. again. And everybody wants door number three. The hollowing out makes it less likely to get to number three, door number three. Increasing normalizing interest rates makes it more likely that we will get to door number three. And so I've got to kind of stay optimistic that New technology, normalized interest rates, 
we will be able actually to grow our way out of this over time. Mm -hmm. But this is the battle we have to fight. Mm -hmm. We have to fight the impulse to go through door number one or door number two. We have to fight the impulse to zombify ourselves, as you said, becoming Japan, in order to go through door number three of real growth, which the United States has the opportunity still to go through door number three of real growth. A lot of countries in the world today, they don't have it. They don't have that even chance to do it. Oh, we have we have an we still do. generation of millennials that's that's ready and willing to walk through that door. In fact, they, uh, they, they right. probably felt like they they've already got gotten the green light and gone through it. Um, just on that, guys, can you throw up that uh, chart 56 so that I can circle a couple points on this just to because I want to just take what Ben said and internalize that one more time relative to, you know, what what happened? Because you are right, Ben, the the. The periods that I'm talking about here, I don't know if you can see where I'm, can you see where I circle something? I don't know, can you? Can you see where I circle? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Right. Okay, so when we normalized interest rates last time, like for real, like 1980s, that's where corporate profits went relative to the people. This 2008 period, 2009, we, oh, we had to stabilize it, ring fence it, so that you kept profits relative to the people at Correct. double the prior cycle high, cycle high, cycle Correct. high, cycle high, cycle high. This, Correct. so, you know, there are a lot of industries that you mentioned. I'd argue that all of private equity, in particular, commercial real estate, private equity that's linked to real estate, this whole BREIT exercise, you know, mm -hmm. they're, that they don't get to be part of the same door number three. If it's normalized interest rates, the cost of capital in the business that you're in and one, one of which can no longer be financial alchemy without liquidity. <laughs> that's probably not part of the other side. I mean, <laughs> and to me, that's like, um, it's a thing. Like, like when you talk about what makes you angry, I mean, what makes me angry is that I had to work my ass off every single day with, I'm sure everybody on Wall Street would be very happy to see me go bankrupt. There would be no bailout, right? There'd be no, there's nothing. There, but we have an entire you know, financialization that's built off that black line not being able to go down because the zero bound was always in play. So this is my main, the thing that would really piss me off is if the Federal Reserve <laughs> does what it almost did, which Goldman begged them, like, you got to cut by 100 basis points. It took like four days. You know, that would really piss me off. Like if, 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 if this happens, because we can't get to your door number three and you can't get through the fourth turning in a way that ends in a way that I think we're saying and we would appreciate for our kids. That's so right. Uh, what I'll add to that though, is that the, 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 the pain, and there is real pain, of the normalized interest rates and its impact on turning back the financialization tide. What can't happen, though, is that, what shouldn't happen, though, what would result in an enormous political upheaval, though, would be if the pain of all of that, the losses that were assigned 
are not to the people who benefited from that chart you just showed. Right. But the the, the but you know <laughs> the people in middle America and, and weren't part of part of that. So so that's that's the part of this that that, that gives me pause. I mean there's there, there are two the Scylla and Charybdis, right? It's the it's the it's the the whirlpool and the monster that we've got to sail through. Mm-hmm. Right. On the one hand, you're you're right. If you go back to a zero interest rate policy, if you start cutting rates, then you're just we're just going to go back to the financialization days. Right. Mm-hmm. That's the whirlpool. We've got to avoid that. On the other hand, we have to avoid a situation where all right, we're going to keep rates up. They're going to be job losses. They're going to be losses that, that have to be assigned here. Business models that don't work through this anymore and the like. Mm. We, we, we can't have a, uh, a class of people who don't bear any of that pain. Right? That's, that's the monster we have to avoid as well. So it's, it's tricky. I really think we can do it, right? Mm-hmm. With with resolve and the central bank, with better fiscal, and that's the part that worries me the most, right? Is is the is the congressional part of this equation? Uh, I I I think that there's enough technological development. I am a big believer personally in this power of the generative AI to, to, to be an incredible productivity booster in, in, the, in the real world, right? for real companies really in implementing this stuff. I think there's a chance, right, to, to, to sail the ship through these two uh, calamitous outcomes, right? Yeah. Uh, I really do believe there's a chance. But, but that's what we've got to keep our eye on is, is sailing it through Yes, interest rates have to stay normalized, and we have to assign losses to the people who have been immune and protected to that for a long time now. Well, that's 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 the whole point. I mean, if you don't, you cannot get that chart to to go back to where it was when there was much better balance, both politically and economically, in the country. Not that you have to have it, um, but if you want to change, you know, if the, if you want to have an actual change, that's good. For more people, you have to. The people that killed it the whole time and have never been able to be killed have to take some pain. I mean, it's not. And the people have to be able to to get paid all the while. Yeah, it comes out of corporate Wait. profits. It comes out of their bonuses, and it's just yep. the way that my business would work too, Ben. I mean, you know it. We both have businesses. If 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 the partner check goes down, I don't get paid, right? That means our our profits, our P and L was not up. You know, and if I fire my people, I now reduce the chance of having a partner profit ever again, right? So that's the way that that works in the private market, you know. <laughs> and I'm, I love it. It does. So, so, quick example relating to something we we're talking about before, it would be a terrible outcome for Jamie Dimon and the big four banks if they were the only banks in the country, right? They must be the the the, the big four too big to fail banks, they don't want 
the regionals and community banks to go out of business. Oh my God, right? That, that creates a whole world that actually ends up being worse for them. It really does. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a good point. It, and, 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 and look, Diamond gets it. He totally gets it. Yeah. Which is why all the too big to fail operations, they put $30 billion of their own deposits in the First Republic. It, and it's a, I, I really do, do believe that it is possible to sail the ship through this, but just the banking system itself is a micro example of what we're talking about in macro terms. Right? It, the, the system does not work if it, if it all goes to the big four banks. Right? You need those regional and community banks to be healthy and in good shape. We as a society at a macro level have moved way too far into this kind of privileged, too big to fail group at the expense of, you can call it labor, you can call it the middle class, you can call it most Americans. But yeah, there's a micro version of this you see in the banking system. There's a macro version of this you see at the, at the national level. But this is the path we've got to take. That's, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, when, whenever we have, you or I have an opinion, um, you know, we'll trigger people with that, right? I mean, like, when I say the word balance, I didn't mean to have socialism. <laughs> no, there should be a balance of accountability. There should be balance in terms of who is responsible. You know, there's responsibility and recommendation. There's not, you know, I get to fire you and keep my cake and eat it too. That's bullshit. I mean, that's... At least I would define my own life as being bullshit if that's what I if that was my legacy, you know, if that's the way that I ran this place. Or and I think most people, you know, where you know their names on the door, that's I hope that's how they think about it for the sake of the people that they you know that they have as teammates, partners, employees, etc. Um, so anyway, I got to ask somebody else's questions instead of mine. I could ask sure. you questions all day. <laughs> Hi, Robert McGordy here, director of subscriber development at Hedgeye. Join our entire research analyst team live before the market opens for deep dive investing analysis, our favorite stock ideas, and our risk manager in chief, Keith McCullough's macro overlay. Our team of 40 plus equity analysts discuss key market developments, trends, and our high conviction long and short investing ideas. You will not get this granular level of insight anywhere else. A video replay, audio version, and analyst summary notes from the call are available shortly after each live show to ensure you don't miss anything. Go to hedgeye.com forward slash research to subscribe and tune in live to the call weekdays at 7.45 a.m. Eastern. Enjoy the rest of this episode. We have about, I think we'll go into overtime because it's, uh, because it is the Ben Hunt. Um, I don't know if you've commented on this. Maybe you have. Maybe that's why we're getting the question from Jeff Lang. Ben, how do you feel moving away from the U.S. currency to a digital currency, you know, where the government could eventually control our savings and investments at the flip of a switch. <laughs> I think that that movement towards the, um, you know, a CBDC, you know, a, a central bank coin would be a, a terrible development, mm. right? I, re I, I really do. I think it'd be a terrible development. I don't think the Fed actually wants to do that. And I'll tell you why, because it would be another drain. It would be an enormous drain on the deposits at banks. Yes. Right. An enormous drain. That, that's been the problem from 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 the start. Because if you if you create this, if if I have my account with the Fed, 
<laughs> right? Which is basically what everybody would have their account with the Fed. <laughs> well, you know, what do I need an account with First Republic with? Or, yeah. or what do I need a, 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 a you know account with Fairfield County Bank with? Mm-hmm. And you know the the answer in the real world is oh you need this is why I have an account with Fairfield County Bank is because well that's who I've got my mortgage with. But all of this moves us to a system where credit and lending is run out of just one big bank. And it, for all the issues of liberty and autonomy that we were talking about earlier, to start this conversation, that's a disaster. That's terrible. It's also a disaster, though, for economic growth and productive risk-taking at a regional or micro level. Mm-hmm. Because that's the role that community banks and regional banks play today. And it is absolutely imperative that that remain. So I, I actually think that a lot of people at the Fed get it, that mm-hmm. you know that launching a central bank coin like this, there's a lot from their perspective to like about it. But the cost of this is you're damaging, really damaging, the banks that you exist to protect. Mm-hmm. So I'm, and maybe this is I'm just too, too hopeful about this. I, I I think that that, the impact on the banks is what will keep the Fed ultimately away from launching this, in a way that has these liberty-killing aspects that your questioner is quite right to raise. Uh, that's my hope, at least. Uh, my, my hope is that the concern over further damaging banks on their deposit side will keep them from implementing this in a way that would lead towards those liberty-killing aspects um, that, that we all have a fear of. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, here's another question that I quite liked that didn't have enough upvotes yet. So you should vote for it because it's a good one. Because um, Ben Hunt would be the guy that I would ask this question. It's from Clay Huddleston. Um, do you think there's any hope of amending the laws that created the Federal Reserve before it destroys America? Uh, so the short answer is no. The, the, the longer answer is that I believe that central banks have an important and necessary role. They have one job, and that job is to be the provider of liquidity as a last resort. That when everyone is too scared to lend money, to, 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 when there's a run on the bank, the central bank needs to be there to say, nope, we're not going to let the system collapse we're going to be there to provide emergency action to keep the world from collapsing way beyond what is just an assignment of losses in some economic cycle. I think that's the central bank's one job. So for example, I think in March, 2009, I think the Fed saved the world. I really do. 
I think that there was a real potential there. Actually, going back to Lehman and the like, but there's a real potential to take a step back, <laughs> you know, to an era where where economically it's not just literally people dying in the streets, mm-hmm. but the political repercussions and the wars that come out of that. I think central banks are there to do that one job. The problem, and it's an enormous problem, is that emergency government action becomes permanent government policy. Emergency government action becomes permanent government policy. That happens as you get an expansion of the bureaucracy itself. I forget how many tens of thousands of people now work for the Fed and their budget. It happens as true believers take on positions of power. By true believers, I I mean people who believe in the religion of central bankism, you know, a Bernanke or a Yellen. The quick answer, though, is no. I don't think there is an ability to to change by law. I think that one hopes, and more than hopes, that one can actually accomplish is to, through the appointments, to move away from the religion of central bankism Mm -hmm. and to appoint people who recognize that there's a one job you can have a more rules-based approach without writing down specific legal rules you have to follow. I really do believe that it is possible to muster the political will to shrink both the scale and the scope of the Fed while preserving its one job. Again, I, I, I really am an optimist at heart. I, 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 do th- I do think that that's possible because I think that the other side of this, trying to do it de jure by, by writing a new law to require something, I don't think that is possible. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I don't think it is either, if only because the Fed has to do what they did, and I don't disagree with you on what the ultimate outcome would have been if they didn't. They have to do what they did because they created the system that they did. You know, you can't just, like, I, I, and I think that that's where you don't have to change the rules of the Fed, but you can definitely, like, if you had a real simple rule, like, I'm not trying to, obviously, and never will ever want to, never, uh, want to be at the Federal Reserve. Plus, I'm you know Canadian green card holder. I don't think I would be allowed to. Uh, but, like, if you had a simple thing, okay, the risk-free rate equals the inflation, headline inflation rate. You know, that's, that's the new rule. You know, that would change a lot relative to where you get yourself to these existential moments where Ben Hunt can say exactly what he said, and, I, and I'd agree, but I only agree because you let the Federal Reserve get away with what they did to get people to behave the way they did and create, you know, the financial monstrosities and financialization of it all that they did. So, you know, that's, my, that's just a comment. I know we're getting down to the end of the end of the conversation, but I, I am curious as to what you say, what you, what you might say back to that. The greatest advantage that the United States has is time. 
most other countries don't have the time that we have. Yes. Yes, our debt is way higher than it should be. All the things that the questioners and you have raised as, and I've raised as real structural problems here are true. We still have that gift of time and population and technological advancement and most of all, a widespread belief and faith in an autonomy of mind and individual action to work to better ourselves, our families, our communities, and through that from the bottom up to better the world and our country. I'm, the window narrows, time gets shorter, which is why conversations like this and conferences like this are so important because it is crucial that we all keep our eye on the ball, that we actually make strides towards solving these issues in politics and policy so that we can sail our ship so that, you know, use the different metaphor, sail your ship to avoid the whirlpool and the monster. Open door number three, that of real growth. Got time. It's not hopeless. But we have to keep our attention and our focus, and these sort of conversations are what help do this. Indeed. What a way to, uh, to end day one, uh, Ben Hunt. Thank you for, as I said, you know, our goal is to preserve and protect capital so people can compound it. But to have a, a man of principle, you know, to really finish like that, wouldn't it be great? And maybe that's going to be part of, like, you know, this America, America the Great, or just having an opportunity to have people like Ben Hunt just say that over and over and over again. I mean, we have a lot of time and space, too. So uh, thanks, for, thanks for giving us your time and, and your open and honest thoughts, as you always have. We, we appreciate it. My pleasure, Keith. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you. And thanks to everybody you know, today. I mean, this is again and again and again. If I, if I can be proud of one thing, in addition to everything I just said, I want you to preserve and protect your capital. I want you to be able to compound your capital. I don't want you to have these nasty drawdowns. Is that you can associate with a community of people that have high integrity and are people of principle. We have seen way too much fraud, way too much go on in this industry and in this country in the last six months you know, to go back to that. And I would say that I'm very, uh, very confident that the Hedge Eye Nation community uh, stands as strong on that rock of principles today than it ever has. I'm going to look forward to day two, and I'll see you tomorrow. Don't forget to check out HedgeEye.com to get more actionable investing insights from our team of more than 40 research analysts. And check us out on Twitter at our handle, at HedgeEye. This presentation is informational only. None of the information contained herein constitutes an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any security or investment vehicle, nor does it constitute investment recommendation or legal tax accounting or investment advice by HedgeEye or any of its employees, officers, agents, or guests. This information is presented without regard for individual investment 
customer preferences or risk parameters and is general, non-tailored, non-specific information. This content is based on information from sources believed to be reliable. Hedge is not responsible for errors, inaccuracies, or omissions of information. The opinions and conclusions contained in this report are those of the individual expressing those opinions and conclusions and are intended solely for the use of Hedge subscribers and the authorized recipients of the contents. All investments entail a certain degree of risk and financial instrument prices can fluctuate based on several factors including those not considered in the preparation of the content. Consult your financial professional before investing. The information contained herein is protected by United States and foreign copyright laws and is intended solely for the use of its authorized recipient. Access must be provided directly by Hedgeye. Redistribution or republication is strictly prohibited. For more detail, please refer to the Terms of Service at Hedgeye.com slash Terms of Service.